0: Let's hear some of that movie chat, credits roll by, and I tip my hat, credits roll by, I want to know more right away, let's have some of that movie chat, credits roll by, tell me who did that, life in the credits is where I want to play.
1: Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan.
2: And I'm Ben. And today we're discussing the film, My Name is Joe. And joining us
1: today is our special guest, Ed Cunningham. So, welcome, Ed. Thank you for joining us.
0: Hey, guys. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Very excited. So, Ed, what is it that you do in the entertainment world? So short answer is I'm a voiceover guy. I do voiceover. But really, the long answer is I'm an actor like Mm -hmm. everybody, right? But also a teacher and also a producer, director, casting director is new to my resume this past year. Yeah, past year or two. And playwright as well. I write plays and screenwriter. I have a few screenplays. But yeah, the money comes from voiceover. Okay. Uh, I would say probably 80% of my income is just straight up voiceover. Yeah. Wow. Great.
1: Um, yeah. Can you tell us about any of the projects you've worked on specifically from any of those facets that you just Yeah. Did?
0: <laughs> so as we were discussing right before we got on, it, it, it voiceover encompasses a lot more than people realize. And there are yeah. many different right. uh, industries, sub-industries within the voiceover industry. So there's commercials, I do a ton of commercials, probably that's the thing I've done the okay. most and sure. currently yeah. have a Amazon Fire TV TV spot running nationally nice. and in the past my big money makers have been uh, Gatorade, Wrigley's Wrangler jeans and nice. Volvo and Michelob Ultra and a bunch of commercials. I've been doing this for 25 years. So it's wow. like, wow, <laughs> yeah, it gets boring when I start listing everything. But the uh yeah, so and and video games has been great for me too. I've done a yeah. lot of video games. Um currently I'm in the Fire Emblem uh oh. series of video games. Nice. Yeah, with with Nintendo and um I play Margrave Gautier. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the father, the father of the the lead character, and it's sort of like a high fantasy soap opera. It's yeah. like very, yeah. It's, <laughs> cool. it's a, a family struggle, sort of like Dynasty, but in a video game. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and yeah, and that's a lot of fun. And in the past, I've done a ton of them. I've done uh, Call of Duty, Tom Clancy Ghost Recon, Tony Hawk, uh, Star Wars, Attack of the Clones. I was uh, a favorite character in a in a series called Soul Caliber. Oh yeah, which ah. was like. You know that game? I actually I, do, yeah. I played a lot of that mm-hmm. game in in my uh, my high school days in my buddy's oh. basement. Nice! Which nice. character were you? I was Mitsurugi. Of course so, you were. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, there's all these great mashups on online of Mitsurugi's lines because he's, ah, so cool. he's such a smack talker. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I did that like for five years. It was so much fun. The guys from Namco who make that game would fly over from Tokyo wow. and come to the session in Burbank, this little hole in the wall recording That's studio crazy. in Burbank. And then when you were like doing the line as you were doing a fight move, they wanted you to do the fight move. They wanted to hear <laughs> what it sounds So I like learned jujitsu and oh my karate gosh. in the process of recording that game. <laughs> oh but it was a lot of fun. Uh pulled a few muscles, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh no, there were they were all those games too. Did you work on several of them? yeah yeah i did like five or six of them i, wow. I think and, and yeah that's the one game that like i get the fan mail from yeah some. that's so that's funny cool. and though no, by the way they didn't speak english so we were working the whole thing through an interpreter it was so wow. much fun. that's yeah cool. yeah and so yeah and snoop dog's game i played the villain in his game <laughs> and, and uh tales of legendia xeno saga and all of everquest if i'm going way back and then narration is another form of vo that i, right. I I've, I've done a lot of i did uh some VH1 behind the music specials and and, uh, Discovery Channel. I did two seasons of a great show on Discovery Channel, probably my favorite voiceover job of all time called Surgery Saved My Life. Oh, wow. It was just cutting edge surgeries done all over the world. So like rebuilding spines and everything. Oh, it was just amazing. And And when you do that, you do it to picture. So, you're watching the show as you're narrating it, oh which I don't wow. think people realize. And so, you really get kind of sucked into it yourself, yeah. but, you're, but you're watching the time code along the bottom and you're trying to punch in and get out yeah. on time. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's challenging work. And I couldn't have loved it more. It was just so great. But, uh, and then I did a really ridiculous show on True TV for years called Bait Car. And bait car was sued out of existence. Oh no! It was essentially, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's seriously it's gonna come back to haunt me. I know. <laughs> Which is, I probably shouldn't have mentioned it, but here I am <laughs> mentioning it. It was essentially entrapment. So this these producers on True TV would get trick out a Honda Civic with a yeah. bunch of cameras and microphones, and then yeah. just leave the keys inside and like leave the door open and oh be my like, God. walk away, and somebody would always steal the car. Yeah and they would get arrested for real. The show was done no in way. conjunction with police departments around the country. And the show is credited with bringing down auto theft by 17% in like what? the year 2008 or something. That um, is back wild. When I was, Yeah. Cause it, it worked, but what was really wrong about it was it was just entrapment. Right. And, was yeah. like, right. and I remember they say it was like the sixth season. You know, I had, kid, I had two little baby girls at home and I was like, just trying to feed them. But I right, never yeah. really felt I never really felt right about it. I had to be <laughs> but I would just tell myself lies and be like, well, you know, they're they're criminals, you know, they are stealing the car. Yeah. And I kind of would like go along with it. And they were like, okay, our next season's gonna be in San Francisco. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you're not going to get away with that in San Francisco. I'm out,
1: man. And sure enough,
0: sure enough, they, the city of San Francisco sued them yeah. out of existence. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, sorry, crazy. there was a, a tangent for no, you. No, right it's there. fine. That's
1: a, I mean, I don't think people realize how high stakes being a voiceover artist can be. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> that you're
0: involved with law enforcement. Yeah. 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 They offered me a a ride along too. I was like, no, thank you. I don't want (laughs) to be in the car. (laughs) Yeah. And I do a lot of corporate narration has really been my bread and butter for years. I do a ton of, uh, yeah. Like just brand videos, product videos, um, explainer videos, uh, sub zero Wolf, the refrigerator company, they hire been hiring me for years. And so if you go to their website and, and watch their product videos, it's me narrating them. And and um, the Milwaukee Bucks is one of my favorite uh, oh, no way. Uh, cool. clients as well for their yeah. in-house and marketing videos and stuff. And yeah, so that's all pretty much wraps. Oh, and I, the last thing for voiceover that I would mention that's a part of what I do mm-hmm. is looping. Can you define looping for us? Yeah. I mean, it's adding dialogue. To an already shot and edited TV show or film, you know, and you're adding in its extra dialogue, right? So I, I've done a lot of ADR with a a loop group called the final word here in Los Angeles, led by Joe Capaletti, who is just a genius. He started this, uh, loop group when he came out here as a young actor in his 20s and yeah. just picked up the phone and called a few people who he knew were producers on shows. And he said, oh, I have a loop group. And he totally didn't. But he would like then come to the voiceover agency yeah. where we all used to collect for uh, our, our auditions and sitting in the waiting rooms. And he'd be like, do you want to do a looping job with me today? <laughs> he's like, he would just grab people in his, his voiceover work and we would be his loop group. Sure, and, yeah. um, and now he's like one of the most professional most polished most sought after loop groups in the city but we did um the good wife was our big okay. thing for years we did the good wife and uh hbo ballers and csi new york we did and and i've done a ton of movies with with the final word as well so i did lone survivor when Mar- mark mark walberg the yeah, seal yeah. team six movie yeah when he's falling down the mountain in Lone Survivor, that's me going <laughs> that's <laughs> me awesome. doing all the sounds. Yeah. So you add all those. That's what ADR for people who don't know is additional dialogue recording. It's all yeah. the sounds, the human vocalizations and words, and sounds and announcements that are done in a picture, but you don't put them in till post till yeah. audio post. And the, the sound supervisor is the head of it all, and he decides you know what needs to, to be put into the audio sound design. Uh, from the loopers from this and it's a group of like seven to eight actors who who just show up in very quiet clothing in a (laughs) in a sound studio where there's mics dropping from the ceiling and you're watching the picture the movie on a movie-sized screen right in front of you but it's like you're interacting with the movie it's sort of like virtual reality because it's a blast man I just love it because it's all improvisation usually although there's a lot of scripted stuff too like train station announcements and And phone calls with people who don't appear on screen. So I had a really cool scene in uh, the History Channel show six, starring Olivia Munn, where she and I go back and forth on the phone for like three or four scenes. And it was, I felt like I was on the show. Of course, I never never met anybody from the show. but, (laughs) But there I am and like featured in the episode. And it's just a lot of fun for a voiceover actor. If you can get with a loop group, I always say, jump on the opportunity. The majority of of it is Walla. They call it Walla. And it's all the background conversations that you see in a a scene in a bar or restaurant. You see all the people in the background talking. Well, you would think they would just use like some stock sound effect of like chatter in the background of a bar. They don't. They identify each and every person that's visible on the screen and they give them, assign them an actor and a voice and something to talk about and you have this little improvised conversation and they create the entire audio landscape of the tv show or film from scratch they do it right there with this group of actors and it really is you a lot of times you're in the looping session you're like this is ridiculous nobody can hear (laughs) that guy talking you know three rows back in the restaurant but they make sure and you you got to essentially lip sync. You have to like if they're if they make a yeah. gesture, you have to gesture at that time. If they if their lips are visible, you have to look like you're saying what they might be saying. And you can't ever say like brand names or, yeah. or sure. places you have to keep. It's kind of like, you know, you have to keep it real generic, but at wow. the same and boring because you don't want to take any interest away from right. the principles you got to be real vanilla (laughs) but it it becomes this like art form within voiceover that's like really fun yeah and uh the actors just have a ball it's sort of just a real thrill for the actors to like yeah do that and I I always enjoy getting to do that and when you do it with a film you often work with the director of the film oh
1: that's cool and
0: so I was working on White House Down Hmm. which was a Jamie Foxx movie from 2013 a long time ago Uh, He's the president and James Woods, and they're going to take they're going to take over the White House. (laughs) And uh, and the only mistake they made was casting all Canadian actors with Canadian (sighs) accents. So we had to. Yeah. So we had to completely replace all the day players. Voices in the film, and I kept thinking about it as we were doing. It. I'm like, these poor people—they're coming to the movie with their family, and they're like, yeah. "I'm in this movie, I'm in this movie." And then someone else's voice oh, is go. coming out of their <laughs> their head, but that's what happens. And yeah and so, yeah, I play a, f- a couple of like major characters in that movie, like that's they have awesome. like five or six lines, and I got to work with Roland Emmerich, the director oh, yeah. of that, yeah, and right. he does all the uh, the Independence Days as yes. well. And so. Like such a European sensibility, such a "we are in this together" kind of that's cool sensibility, and it was just such a pleasure working with him. And and um and yeah, so that's that's the the uh, the looping story. But then, as far as what else I do, I also yeah. do stage, and I also yeah. do on camera. It's just not as much as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely when I when I had kids, I got married, and and we had two kids pretty quickly. Time was a problem yeah. for theater is such a time eater, upper. Tons. yeah, yeah, tons of time. But I so enjoyed my theater life. Uh, before I did, like, from after I, I got my MFA in, in acting from Northern mm-hmm. Illinois University, and the only reason I chose that school is because it was the only one that gave me a free ride. It was oh, a nice, yeah, full scholarship. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I'm headed to the cornfields of Illinois. Yeah, I was in college at Davidson College in North Carolina, yeah, uh, but I grew up in DC. You know, didn't know what I was going to do after graduating college, but a director in a college production of Antigone says to me as I'm walking off the stage one night, you know, Ed, you should be a professional actor. And he could have said like astronaut. You should be an yeah. astronaut, and I would have been just as shocked. <laughs> okay, like, I, I wasn't. I was like, well, "What basis do you have to say that? What are you talking about?" And I'm standing there in like spandex shorts. We're doing like this avant-garde production yeah. of Antigone, and I'm like naked basically, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and having this conversation with this guy under theatrical lighting on the stage, and everyone else has left the stage. It's just me, and he's he's like deciding my life for me.
1: Oh my god! And I, like
0: I kind of want to go back and strangle him, but I kind of want to hug him too. Like yeah, but he uh, yeah he sent me on the route of looking for grad schools to, to study acting because I didn't, I didn't take it seriously up until that point. It was just something Mm. I, it was fun. I wanted to meet girls. It was like fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved, I'd always acted even in high school, but I was more of the jock than like the, the, like going to be a lawyer guy. Like I wasn't thinking acting at all, but once it's kind of like I learned what it meant to be an actor in graduate school for acting. I don't know how I got in, but I got into Northern Illinois University and started teaching. They threw me a teaching job oh my God. in my first semester of grad school. And I I didn't even know what acting was. And here I am, the acting teacher for all the undergraduates wow. taking acting. So, yeah, that was how my teaching career got started wow. it Was in, in grad school. And I taught every semester because I loved it so much. That's awesome. And that's where I fell in love with teaching.
1: Given how long you've been in the industry, how has it changed? Like how has has it changed much? I mean, obviously the tech has, but in terms of like yeah. the actual job.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think it has changed for the actor quite okay. a lot. Quite a lot. I mean, everybody's doing it. The pandemic changed yeah. everything. Right, right. Actors tape at home. You gotta have a nice home audition yeah. setup now. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh certainly for the voiceover actor. I mean, we were more used to having home studios even before the pandemic that's and doing all yeah. of that. Even us, we used to go to the agency to yeah. audition. They have recording booths in the agencies here in Los Angeles and in Chicago. I did it mm-hmm. in Chicago as well. Now it's all from home, and I miss everybody. And I yeah. only know my voiceover friends on Facebook now, and it's like kind of sad. And I, I miss so. Whenever I get the opportunity to record in a recording studio, okay. I take it. Yeah. And um. And so it's changed a lot that way. And I mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more people trying to do it too. Oh, and yeah. so gigs and jobs are a little harder to come by. And I think you got to be a lot more of a self-starter now. you got to do your own thing. Make your own short films and your own movies and your own uh, animated pilot and your own everything to kind of get your foot in the door. I I feel like you hear a lot of uh, people say, oh, well, acting's tough because... You know, a painter can always just pick up a paintbrush and paint or a singer can always just sing. But mm-hmm. acting, you got to wait for the phone to ring. And I just I dispute that entirely. Yeah. I, I don't think that's true. You got to you got to go out and make your little short film with your iPhone. You know, you yeah. got to do the the running gun thing, which in L.A., you see people doing that everywhere. And it's right. because it, it's not only because they're trying to get ahead. It's also fun. It's what they do. Right. It's what they right. love to do. And you got to yeah. do what you love to do and what you aspire to do mm-hmm. every day. Every yeah. day you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you're
2: doing voiceover work, um, is it, and this might change depending on what you're working on, but typically, do you do it independently or do you have someone, do you have a uh, director right there over your shoulder sort of giving you notes or how does that work?
0: It's both. It's both. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I secretly love it when I don't have to be directed and I can just report on my own. <laughs> yeah. Cause then I can do all of the like Frankensteining together yeah. of stuff that <laughs> I like, right. you know, which is a, a word used in the entertainment industry. That means like the editing together, like one sentence from one take with one yeah. set with the back half of the sentence on another take. I try not to do that. I try to find a really good base take. Mm-hmm. and then uh, clean that up and master that. So yeah, that's another way we've changed as as voiceover actors since the pandemic. We're we're all becoming like really bad audio engineers, but we all <laughs> are like trying to master our own recordings now. And um I'm getting pretty good at it slowly but surely. But what a dark art that is. I mean, yeah. my god, there's sure. so much to it and I have so much respect for everyone else now um having to t- wear that hat yeah uh, the the audio engineers especially but um yeah so you do both and i do love it when you get to be directed as well over the mm-hmm. fo- uh over the through the headphones we have a, a technology called source connect okay. where we speak into our microphone in our booth and it goes real time into the hard drive of the producer who's in alaska right, okay. right. it's a it's like a a high speed connection that makes it like you're in their studio. Right. So, and they direct you and you hear them through your headphones in your booth. And, um, and that's great too. You know, I, there's something really cool about that as well. And I didn't have source connect before the pandemic okay. happened. Yeah. And then I quickly ran out and got source connect. Cause I was like, this is how it's going to be done from now yeah. on. And sure enough, I have not left my house since I've been here. I'm, <laughs> I'm still on lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did you start doing voiceover work while you were in Chicago? Because I know there's a big market for it there. Did you start in L.A.?
0: There, no, I started in Chicago, okay. yeah. I actually even started before I got to Chicago. I was oh, doing cool. regional theater in Wisconsin. And a local Italian restaurant owner asked me to do his radio commercial. Oh, that's so, that was cool. Cool. so that's my first, he saw the play and was like, yeah. that guy, he could do it. That's and awesome. that was, and I got to, you do like an Italian accent and the pizza, this and that. <laughs> and it was, it was like a really bad Italian accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my first voiceover job. Yeah. Oh, but then really I moved cool. to Chicago and my agent, who's still my agent in Chicago to this day, Debbie Kotzen, who is just uh, the best agent in the world. I love her so. She. Uh, she was an assistant at the time at CED, which is now CESD. But uh, CED at the time had an office in Chicago. And her, as an assistant, she would go out and see plays. She saw me in uh, Henrik Ibsen's An Enemy of the People at a theater in Rogers Park and came up to me afterwards and said, why don't you come see us? You would be good at voiceover. And I just thought that was hilarious. I was like, oh, yeah, I you know I've never really done anything. And she goes, come on down tomorrow morning. We actually have an audition I think you'd be right for. And I go in and I went out that night and I was partied with the actors. And so I was a little hungover. I remember when I went into the the audition in the morning and they were like, all you have to say is Gatorade, is it in you? And then they've put the paper on the stand in front of me and I'm like, got the the hoarse voice. I'm like, Gatorade, is it in you? (laughs) And and it booked. I booked the very first thing I ever read. And that spot made like, 50 grand. Like I was just like, nobody's voiceover career starts this way. This is not, (laughs) this is not how it happens. I then proceeded to not book anything for the next two years, but I just got so lucky right out of the gate that it kind of wowed me into yeah. Voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do voiceover. Like it just kind of, it all clicked right there. Yeah that was where I discovered voiceover and and so fast forward to today and and to like my teaching voiceover and my teaching actors yeah. voiceover you know it always became sort of my mission because I was catering. I was in Chicago doing theater and catering and catering sucks. It's the worst. (laughs) And it's like, I just hated it. And I was like, when I started making this money off this Gatorade commercial, I was like, this is what actors should do. They should do voiceover so they don't have to cater. That's where the mission started. And my mission to this day is actors need to do voiceover. They need to do voiceover because you can really lose yourself in your day job that you're trying to do in order to support yourself while you're pursuing acting. But voiceover is acting. Yeah. And, and voiceover gives actors the opportunity to use their skills that they've been trained in. It employs all of the skills I learned as an MFA candidate, as an MFA student at Northern Illinois. And the other really cool thing about voiceover is it's sort of the nexus of the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. sitting in that Voiceover lobby, we well, don't really sit in too many lobbies anymore, but we're all the all writers, directors, producers who also did voiceover. And so you right. would just like get to mix it up with all these entertainment industry people. And there's also a real friendly vibe to yeah. voiceover that doesn't necessarily <laughs> exist with on-camera <laughs> actors. There's there could be some subterfuge going yeah. on in some on-camera uh waiting rooms. But uh, not in voiceover. Everybody just roots for each other. And everybody's awesome. really kind to each other. And at least I always found it to be so and loved going there every day and sitting yeah. in that lobby in my t shirt and shorts and flip flops and being like, <laughs> yeah, I'm at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so would they help you get jobs or would you audition? What's that process like? Yeah. So the agents are huge. They bring you the opportunities. You know, it's still like this today. You audition and you learn how to really make your audition competitive there's a lot of like little nuances that you need to make sure you employ with every audition and then yeah they book you on that job and they negotiate the 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 job for you the the payment and everything and the the usage and everything and they're great and you can now i have five agents around the country i have one in every time zone (laughs) <laughs> and um, and so they feed me auditions. I audition every day for multiple oh, voiceover cool. yeah. opportunities. I don't book every day. I book maybe you know once a week or mm. once a month sometimes if it's yeah. if it's slow um so yeah, it's a lot of auditioning is your job and then when you actually book the job, that's the gravy that's just yeah. fun so yeah, auditioning is your job and and you can also find auditions by getting to know the voiceover casting directors in your town. And this is true across the country. There's voiceover casting directors and voiceover agents in every city in America. And they have their local people for their local work and their local Mm -hmm. job. There is sort of a regional aspect to it. But the really higher paying jobs and the really good jobs are are generally national. They cast a national casting net. And, um, and they're all I get a lot of the same auditions from d- different agencies. So you got to make sure you have one mother agency, you don't want to okay. ever submit through two agencies, yeah. you don't only submit on a particular job through one agency. Okay. And so you my LA agent is my mother agency. And that's the way most actors go about it. But they also use these voiceover casting websites right. okay. are very popular now. So I've used them. We've all used them. I'm not a big proponent of them. I don't okay. I don't speak as highly of them as I used to because they've all upped their prices. And I just, I'm an actor's advocate. I've always been an actor's advocate. I'm like, ah, you can't charge an actor $5,000 a year just to audition. That's not right. That's That's just wrong. And so some of them will do that. And and even the ones that are like cheaper have raised their prices and they kind of, rub off in a bad way on your online brand. You're sort of as a voiceover actor. You don't want to be known as an actor for that casting website. So you got to be real careful about using the voiceover casting website. The last thing I'll say on like where you find jobs is casting directors. So there are voiceover casting directors, which are different from all everything I've spoken of so far from voiceover agents. They are straight up casting directors. The company hires them to get actors from many different agencies and from many different walks of life to audition on a specific project they they're a little more discerning than any other form of voiceover casting and they've managed to maintain their foothold in voiceover casting in Los Angeles yeah there's there's voicecaster in Burbank and and uh Elaine Craig is big in Hollywood and uh-huh. Terry Berland and and voiceover LA in Sherman Oaks and they will call you directly too you don't necessarily wow. have to have an agent if you're a, a voiceover actor, it can be a very difficult thing to find an agent okay. who will sign you. That can take a year or two after you've made your demo and even if you've done some jobs. So this, this is getting into like my other sort of my side yeah. business, which is coaching actors in voiceover and making voiceover demos for actors you know, I got taken on my first voiceover demo. They just charge way too much money for a voiceover yeah. demo. Yeah, like some of them charge $2,000, some three thousand for a voiceover demo, and it's like that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is people making their own voiceover demo and like this is easy. It's silly. It's just me talking into a mic and some background music. You don't want to do that either. Yeah. So you <laughs> want to, you want to. I tried to invent a business somewhere in the middle. I charge below the average. I charge a thousand. For a demo, and I come down for each demo you make with me after that, because I've just always kind of been like, I'm one of you, you know. Yeah. I, I get it. You know, it's it's hard to be an actor, and the last thing I want to do is start pilfering the bank accounts of actors. They yeah. don't have any money, you know. It's like right. I want to help them as much as I can. So that sort of was the thrust of. I called it Ed's Chop Shop for a while, yeah. but now I'm just working under my own name okay. as a demo producer. Mm-hmm. But that has become. That has returned me to teaching. Yeah, um, yeah, I love coaching voiceover, and I love coaching actors and and developing their their careers. You know, even after I finish the demo, I try to help them find an agent. Cool. You know, because that's the whole point of making a demo. And so that's I got off track. But yeah, that that um, that can be difficult for the actor to to find an agent. But you can always send your demo to a casting a voiceover casting director. Okay. And they may like you and call you in directly. They'll just call your phone number. And so that should never be overlooked as well if you're looking to start out in voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great.
1: Yeah. I love, it's always great to hear when someone who's had a lot of success in an industry then is like, how can I help other, bring other people up to this level and like help them avoid my pitfalls and like things I, you know, troubles I had. I think that's,
0: that's always really awesome to hear. So that's so cool. You're doing that. Yeah. 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 I really enjoy it. It really feels like I'm doing something
1: for
0: somebody else, even though (laughs) I'm not, I'm still charging them. I'm still charging them a lot of money, but I mean, it's like, it's just, voiceover could feel very solitary yes, and very selfish sure. in a way if mm-hmm. you don't and so it's it's helped me kind of keep that uh, a little mitigate there a little yeah. Bit. yeah yeah
1: yeah that's awesome
0: do you approach your your projects differently depending on what kind of
2: project it is like do you approach a commercial differently than you approach a video game or an acting gig or anything like that
0: yeah i mean you definitely approach it differently you have a different sort of gosh, I feel like a completely different person depending on the project that I'm walking into. I really do. But, and even in commercials, just within the world of commercials, there's so many different types of commercials Mm -hmm. that you bring different kinds of, uh, voices to, you know, I always tell people, I was like, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I ever use my voice ever. I'm always tailoring my voice for whatever project I'm working on. And, and, uh, and so that's good and bad, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 I choose not to think about it. But, the, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just, you know, I try to just stay in the moment yeah. and work with the director. And sometimes that direction you're getting is just via an email. Like you're not okay. directed in the moment, but they just respond like, yeah, you're not conversational enough. We wanted this really conversational. I'm like, Oh God, sorry. Yeah. and And I quickly, you know, put my 90s announcer voice to uh, to bed <laughs> sure. and uh, employ my techniques for, which I teach, I should teach myself for a bit staying really conversational because that is the most desired, desired read now in, in okay. certainly in commercial voiceover. They don't want anybody sounding like a commercial. They want yeah. you to sound like you could be on the couch next to the person you're talking to. You know, you're talking to one person, not many.
1: Yeah. and
0: And you want to sound like you're just, you know, you're not that you're not hyping this thing you're talking about. You're, not you're just talking to about it. it. Yeah. You're not trying to oversell. It. You're just talking about it. Right. Yeah. And um. And so there's a lot of little techniques I've developed over the years to get you to that place yeah. because when you stick a microphone in an actor's face, they get ouncery whether they <laughs> realize it or not, pretty yeah. quick. And, and myself <laughs> included. I mean, yeah. it's like we we all do it. So you you have to really work against the grain.
1: Yeah.
0: I've enjoyed. Just like that back with grad school where I was teaching acting and yet I'd never studied acting. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel felt that way with voiceover. I was like, I was kind of teaching myself the whole time. I still am teaching what I most need to learn.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, whenever I go out and 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 coach voiceover. I I I definitely uh, uh, work with the actor and and you know talk about their what they want to do and what they want to bring and and, you know, I'll be able to identify some little kind of things that somebody needs to tell them, you know, you do this or you do that vocally. And, but, you know, I just, I just always try to do it with love and I always yeah. try to make them realize it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes time. You got to develop your ear. I had Steve Tisherman, my very first agent in Los Angeles, when I first moved here in 2001, January, 2001, I moved to Los Angeles. My agent in Chicago happened to have my cassette tape demo in her purse at a lunch with other agents oh and God. gave it to the Tisherman people. <laughs> and at the time, they were the agents. That was Don LaFontaine's agent, and uh, Andy Garcia, the the voice of Disney that you hear at the beginning of every Disney um, yeah. movie yeah. in the in the '90s and 2000s. He was with them, and Don LaFontaine, who's the inner world, you know that guy. Yeah, of course, he, he, he was with them. Don used to just regale us with stories. That's crazy in the waiting room at Tisherman. It was so fun because he didn't start voiceover until he was 55. Wow. He was an editor. He was an editor for movie trailers who just by listening to what the actors were doing with it and incorporating their voice into the trailer became really good at it himself. And so that's why I brought up Steve Tischman. Steve Tishman said to me, in my very first meeting with him, it's not voiceover, it's ear over. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't <laughs> know what that means. He says, well, it's it's not about developing your voice, it's about developing your ear. That's you okay. you're going to whisper your way to a million bucks kid. That's what he said to me. <laughs> <laughs> for my yeah. very first. So I'm still waiting for the million bucks to happen. Yeah. I'm still a million bucks shy of being a millionaire. But um <laughs> but yeah, he he really taught me something that I didn't I don't think really learned until 10 years later, which is it is it's all about developing your ear. Yeah. And and I think the best thing you can do is to listen yeah. as a voiceover actor. And everybody always asks me, "What class should I take? What voiceover class should I go to Kalmanson? Should I go to uh, Elaine Craig and they're all great classes but I the first thing I tell them to do is like go take an improv class oh, you gotta yeah. do improv because I- I- improv loosens you up uh, it helps you understand beginning middle and end
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh which even a toilet bowl cleaner commercial has to have yeah you know <laughs> you, you gotta have a beginning a middle and end you gotta be entertaining along the way and it just kind of teaches you the basics of storytelling mm-hmm. I feel like better than anything else and uh gets you to listen yeah. more and not be on voice so much and really like love fall in love with your voice so much. And, and, um, it's never about your voice. It's all about everybody else's voice. And so listen to a lot of podcasts, listen to a lot of radio, really listen to voices, and that's how you develop your ear yeah excellent yeah well, that's
1: really interesting and um yeah that thing about improv i mean it's completely dependent on listening to your scene partners right so like it really forces you to focus and pay attention and yeah totally. yeah
0: i love playing golf with my buddy rob janice who was a uh, second city improviser and, yeah. and uh he's great man and boy <laughs> he listens he really listens and yeah. just has the has the next thing to say like always yeah and and yet knows when not to say anything like mm-hmm. knows when to just be quiet and uh, he writes for uh looney Tunes so yeah those those guys those those improvisers you know the voiceover can take you in place to places yeah. you never thought it would take you. And from improv, you go into TV writing a lot. And especially with animation mm-hmm. is popular writing rooms for animated, animated TV shows are populated with improv guys oh, cool. and girls and girls. Yeah. And yeah, I, I always tell voiceover actors, that's your first thing. And then, you know, maybe you want to take a voiceover class just to see sort of like the, the logistics of voiceover yeah, and right. sort of see how it's done from a technical standpoint. But I don't think you're going to learn a lot in terms of your technique you're acting your voice acting technique yeah. from a voiceover class yeah so yeah that that tends to be my advice for that okay. yeah. well Ed,
2: we can't wait to hear what we're doing
0: wrong on this show <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah feel free to send us notes you have our email okay, address
0: okay. <laughs> no you got me talking too much i have no, no idea what's, what's wrong you're with this show you're
1: the guest we want you to talk
2: <laughs> so ed what is the most challenging part of your job
0: yeah There's so many challenging parts. I I would have to be honest and say establishing a consistent income is the toughest thing for a voiceover actor. You got to do other stuff. Uh, You're going to have great years where you make more money than you feel like you deserve. And then you're going to have lean years. Yeah. And it really does change from year to year, uh, much to my wife's chagrin. (laughs) That would be my other advice to actors: is as soon as you get the opportunity to be on the other side of the glass, yeah. Whether that glass is the recording studio glass for voiceover or the camera lens glass for an on-camera actor, as soon as you get to be on the other side of the glass, do it. Yeah. You learn more doing that about being in front of the glass or the actor being the actor right. by doing working as a casting director. So I started doing some casting for a friend's company. Uh, two years ago, called Founder Music, Judd Crane is this amazing composer um, who lives in my neighborhood. He lives around the corner. That's how we met. Oh, no, we met because our kids went to preschool together. And he's this amazing composer. He he did the music for Poker Face. Yeah. So he's the composer for that show. Oh, cool. He's this amazing music composer, but they occasionally need to cast voiceover. So he started using me as the casting director. Cool. And boy, did I learn so much about voiceover. When actors started sending me their auditions, yeah, right. and all the mistakes that they make, and that I realized I make too, and boy, I could do an whole hour on what I learned <laughs> from from casting a, a Google conference film. So it was the introductory film to a conference for Google that okay. Jud Jud had scored, and big big client, right? Google, yeah. And it was this beautiful script. It was this incredible script, and they had. Uh, uh, an administrator administrative assistant in there uh just do the scratch track for the voiceover. And they're like, We actually really like the scratch track. Uh, could you find something similar to this? I'm like, Oh, sure. Yeah. And I'm listening, I'm like, scratch track's pretty good. You know, she's like totally not an actor. Yeah. Just sounds like a person, but she gets it. She gets yeah. the that each line is a caption for an image or maybe two images, or she she, she seemed to know how it was should be doled out uh, in her delivery. And So I'm like, okay, um, I tried to find my best people, like just voiceover actors that I knew. They shot them all down. They didn't like any of the voiceover actors I sent them out. And they're like, you know, it's just a wild hair, but could you try singers? Like, do you know any professional singers? Could we hear their read on this? Because all of these people sound like actors. And I was like, wow, this is such a lesson for me right now. And so I go out and I find singers. I happen to be surrounded by... Session singers in Valley Village, California, where I live, and I I was like, "Do you know anybody?" Because they all have studios too at home, and they can they could lay down a voiceover audition, no problem. Well, they liked the singers; they were really into the singers for a while. That I found them, and then, long story short, they ended up going with the admin assistant who did the scratch track. (laughs) They never even (laughs) bothered. They never hired any of the actors, any of the singers, and boy, doesn't that teach you a lesson? You're just like everybody stop acting now. (laughs) That is the lesson. Like Robert De Niro is right. His great little soundbite on YouTube. If you punch in Robert De Niro acting advice into YouTube, it'll come up is do nothing, please, whatever you do, don't do anything, do nothing. Just say the words that you're supposed to say. And maybe say some other words, but don't do anything. Don't try to affect your voice, your face, your body. Just be, just don't do anything. And it's the same advice for voiceover. It really is. It's like, we have way more sing-songy intonation in our natural speaking voice than we realize. We have way more rhythm and humor in our natural speaking voice than we realize. so yeah it, it's it's been an education being a casting director as well for judd yeah very
1: wow cool. so do you have any moments from your career that's just either a favorite moment or a moment are you just like i can't believe this is what i get to do for a living
0: oh gosh too many to choose from yeah um I already talked about metamorphoses mm-hmm. and getting to act in a swimming pool. That's
1: right. Was cool. so yeah. much fun. Yes.
0: Uh, also, it rained on stage, and I got to do a very sad monologue in the rain with my oh. hands looking up at the heavens. You know, yeah. those are the kind of things actors just love. You know, mm-hmm. Julius Caesar at Chicago Shakespeare. I played That's Mark really Antony, cool. and yeah. the and the opening scene of Mark Antony, Mark of Julius Caesar. I got to jump at, it's the festival Festival of the Looper Cow, which is like their wolf festival. The wolves. Founded Rome, right? And so they celebrated the creation of Rome every year with the Festival of the Lupercal, and that's how Julius Caesar opens. Is this festival is going on? You wouldn't know it if you're reading the play. You'd just be yeah. like whatever. But that's how the director had staged it. Like we're all just going crazy. It's like this Bacchanalian sort of festival. And I jumped off the stage over the first two rows because it was like an angled aisle in a three-quarter thrust stage, and I sort yeah. of jumped jumped over the first two rows of the side seats. And the kids' faces looking up to me, it was uh, a show for high school students. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, like the wow faces as I'm jumping over them. And I'm just like, ah! Like we we're trying to like wow them like we were Metallica or yeah. something. You know? <laughs> and, uh, jumping over those guys and landing in the aisle and, and tearing my anterior cruciate ligament in my knee uh, oh, no. for like the third time. Was uh, was one of the greatest moments ever. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, really, really fun. And and but I would say last one that I'll mention is was a looping job and it was no voiceover at all. No voice was it was whistling and oh. I auditioned for it. They were looking for somebody with an interesting dog whistle. Oh. All right. So I'm a huge dog lover <laughs> and I'm also a huge I love my grandfather like he's like on Mount Rushmore in my mind, right? And in my soul, he was this steel worker for 40 years in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Wow! but he loved dogs and he had these great dog whistles and he taught me these dog whistles. Oh, cool. And I got to use them at Universal Studios. You That's know, I went on the lot cool. at Universal and work with um, Albert Hughes, was the director. He did uh, Menace to Society years ago. But he directed Alpha. It's a Universal Pictures movie called Alpha, which is about the first boy and his dog, 10,000 BC.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. You remember that picture? It was like there for like
0: five seconds and then it was gone. Well, I'm the boy's whistle in that movie.
1: (laughs) And,
0: And so I would go into the session and do that and variations of that. Based on he does it throughout the movie, and then it became part of the soundtrack for the film. It's like incorporated into the no music way. and the scoring. That's that whistle, so cool, and it's like this homage to my grandfather. Yeah, that I'm that's like,
1: awesome. It lives
0: forever now. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh like, my god. The whistle, the whistle became my most favorite uh, voiceover session yeah, ever. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh gosh.
2: Yeah. Well, all right, and we got one more question for you before oh, we please. talk about the movie. And you've already answered this like six times. Okay. Uh, what other advice do you have for people who want to get either into voice acting or into just the entertainment world in general?
0: Yeah, I would say don't break the bank as you're developing your voiceover studio. Very expensive (laughs) to develop your home studio as you're developing your voiceover demo. Very expensive. A lot of times. And as you're marketing yourself, and as you're, you're taking classes, and you're trying to get to know casting directors by taking classes, and it all gets to be too expensive. I mean, it really is like you need 20 grand to start a voiceover career. And it shouldn't be that it doesn't have to be that. Mm -hmm. And so that's my my advice is don't break the bank, be smart. Take your time. It's not it's a marathon, not a sprint, Mm -hmm. you know, take your time and um, once you got the demo going and once you've got a, an audition regimen established for yourself somehow, some way, and you're in the middle of that desert where you haven't booked anything for six months and you're just auditioning all the time and you're like, what am I doing? Ask yourself then, do I still love this? Yeah. Do I still love using my voice and voice acting and, and doing voiceover? And if the answer is yes, you're fine. You're going to be okay. Just keep going. Keep doing it. You got to love the auditioning. You got to love doing it when you're not getting paid. Right. And that's really the test. Wait until you're, you're starving and you've spent all your money on, on your home recording setup and you're doing an audition for a a community college in, you know, rural Arkansas. And, uh, it's like the worst written script you've ever read (laughs) in your life and, and ask yourself, do I still love this Yeah. (laughs) In, in that moment? And, and if you say yes it's just fun then you're okay you're gonna be fine keep doing it and keep pouring money into it yeah
2: so let's get to our featured film today we're discussing the 1998 romantic drama my name is joe it was written by paul laverty and was directed by ken loach it stars peter mullen louise goodall gary lewis and david mckay so susan can you give us a quick breakdown what is this movie about
1: yeah, so this movie, I guess, it really centers on the romance between Joe and Sarah. Joe is, or he is, a recovering alcoholic, and he meets Sarah. He also is coaching like this local football or soccer team of just guys in the community. That some of them he met through AA, some he just knows, and he just really likes them all. So he's their coach. So we see him in that role, but then we also see him meet a woman named Sarah, who's like a healthcare worker in like their social services system right. um, in Glasgow. So they meet through one of the players on his team. They start up a relationship, um, but then we see Joe kind of struggle to stay away from his past life, which was um, he was involved in crime. Um, obviously, he had uh, problems with drinking. So trying to form this relationship with Sarah while also trying to keep that at bay and not get back into those patterns. So you really see that struggle he has. But then also he really cares about these guys on his football team and some of them get involved in stuff that's pretty bad. And he's trying to help them out and that gets him drawn back in. So you just really see him, I mean, just struggle with all these things and trying to do the right thing, but not always knowing like what that means or what that is. So
0: Right. Yeah. And you guys watched it last night, huh?
1: Yes. For the first
0: time. That's amazing. What'd you think?
1: It was really good. Um, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't, I wasn't familiar with this movie. No. But it was really good. One, I I took um, a few minutes to, so everyone in this movie does have very strong accents. So I did have to get into that. We had to put the subtitles on. Yeah. And then once we got used to it. It um, came out
0: that way. When it originally came out, it had subtitles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Because we got like, I think we got five minutes in. I was like, Ben, we got to start over. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what he said. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Totally. But
1: you get used to the accent pretty quick. But um. Yeah, I thought it was really good, really strong characters. The acting's really great, so grounded, Mm -hmm. really believable. Like, every single person, even from the biggest to the smallest roles, I think really brings it in terms of their acting.
2: Yeah, this is a very grounded story. Mm -hmm.
0: But, Ed, you chose this movie for us to watch. Why did you choose? (laughs) (laughs) So because, shameless plug for my first cousin, Peter Mullen. So Peter is my first cousin. That's awesome. Our families are very close. My mom is Scottish and was the youngest of seven. So his mother was her much older sister uh, by 20 years. And so I never met my grandparents on my mother's side because she was the youngest of seven and they they passed away before she even got married. So his mother was sort of like my grandmother, my sort of de facto grandmother. And we used to go over there a lot and she used to come and stay with us for months. Once all of her kids were grown and, and flown the coop. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so watching, I've watched Peter's career grow since he was a teenager i've, I've cool. known peter and he is for people who don't know peter mullen he is like the tom hanks of scotland mm-hmm. he is their favorite son he is the actor of scotland like that mm-hmm. everybody points to and i'm not like bragging i'm just that's just no, i mean is. you should brag it's, that's cool he, he is and <laughs> yeah. and you know he he used to not refuse to refuse to come to the united states oh really he, he's a real yeah he's a real uh A European socialist, you know, he's a real, he he doesn't, didn't care for a lot of aspects of the, of, of of the United States and, and our entertainment industry as well, which I can Mm -hmm. speak to as well, since he changed that position over time as his career developed. And he used to be terrified of flying. And so he never wanted to fly over here. But then once he realized you can uh, take a pill and sleep the eight hours on the plane to Los Angeles, he started coming over here. And he is, uh, you know, your listeners might know him from Ozark. If you've ever watched the TV show Ozark, he's the the drug dealer with the heavy Missouri accent and the big white beard. And and um, and yeah, I I just love that that he took that role. And that's the first time I ever heard him do a dialect, actually. Yeah. um, In that in that show. And he's also in Westworld. Yeah. Whenever he comes over to to shoot, we hook up and we hang out and he tells the most incredible entertainment industry stories like, <laughs> whoa, like just hilarious and profound. And he's such a great storyteller as all the Scots are. And yeah, so... That's why I chose it because I just love my cousin. But also, even if I even if he wasn't my cousin, this would be the kind of movie that would be my favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I just love Mike Lee and Lars von Trier and all those Dogma 95 filmmakers from the 90s. That's what I that's what I cut my teeth on. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's that's that was the kind of actor I wanted to be. So it was really weird that my cousin was this thing that I was trying to become. And I really I mean, I'm sitting here beneath the movie poster for my name is Joe is on my wall <laughs> in my office. I just, I, I just worship the guy. Yeah. It's a real eye opener. My name is Joe to get back to the film. Mm, I mean, you yeah. really kind of see the real Scotland
1: yeah, right. with yeah. my name
0: is Joe. And they have that scene with the bagpiper where they're making fun of everybody's <laughs> yes. image, image of Scotland, but that ain't Scotland. Right. right. And, and so you really get with my name is Joe, you get a ground boots on the ground view yeah. of what what life is like in glasgow that's glasgow that whole movie and it's mm. a it's very different from edinburgh even even yeah. you know it's a real blue collar industrial city um and you know peter himself struggled with you know, being in gangs as a teenager and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he made that movie Neds based on all of that. And and the rich auntie from America who had left Scotland and went to America comes back to visit in that movie. And it's my mom. And it's like oh my god. it's like this this you know buxom redheaded lady, just like my mom. And I'm like, oh my god, it's like I'm watching my life in a in a movie right now. That's wild. They just are devastating. Yeah. At the, at the end, yeah. you're just left. That's the Scottish sensibility. And yet. Yeah. Just like in My Name is Joe, you're laughing throughout. Like, yeah. they're really right. funny. They they have this black sense of humor where they mm-hmm. can be, like, really funny in the darkest of times.
1: Yeah.
0: I like that about the Scots. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's great. I kind of adopted that. And that's not an American sensibility right. at
2: all. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would definitely classify, you know, I mean, I know that the internet classifies this as a romance or a romantic drama. It's also part tragedy very yeah. I much. Mean, without giving yes. out too much yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, it's very much that, you know, that feeling of, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right, Ed. I think yeah. Glasgow is one of the main characters of this movie. Yeah. Um, the way that, you know, Joe interacts with the kids and like the whole, you sort of get the feeling of just poverty throughout the whole community. Yeah, um, But them all trying to like, you know, do the best with what they can. And of course, Sarah's this character who's trying to help everybody. And I love that character. And but she's like the most level headed person
0: there. And, and she's just you know, getting frustrated. Yeah. And, you know, Ken Loach, the director of the film, was very much like Lars von Trier, a a Dogma 95 filmmaker, which Mm -hmm. if people don't know what that is, they shoot natural lighting, handheld camera. They shoot the script in sequence. So start on page one and shoot day by day, one, two, three, four, five. And they don't show the actors the script at all. Until the day up, wow. till right before they do the scene. So much of it is improvised. Um, you know, Mike Lee would be another filmmaker that I would point to that I go, yes, that, that's what mm-hmm. I want to do. Mm-hmm. And they do the same thing. A lot of improvisation, a lot of natural lighting, handheld camera. I just like that sensibility. And I yeah. don't know if it exists so much anymore. It's yeah. all, it's also fast cutting. They really, they really allowed scenes to play out in the master a lot. And I like that, you know, I, I yeah. like to to get a sense of the room, to get a sense of the city. Like you said, yeah. the gla- Glasgow, you really felt like you were in Glasgow yeah. watching yeah. that movie. And and man, it was just uh, yeah, because you guys invited me on here. I, I watched it myself last night as well. Yeah. And um, it just blew me away. I, mm. I just was like, Oh my God, this is the most tragic story yes. ever. I mean, more tragic than any than Macbeth or Othello mm. or any of them. I mean, it's like yeah, it really is. It's just incredible, yeah. And and yet you feel like there's there's nothing he could have done differently, and there's yeah. no way this tragedy could not have happened.
1: Mm-hmm. It all
0: feels very destined, right? And that that's right. another sort of thing that a common theme I feel like in all of those Dogma ninety five films is like. Everything feels very destined, predestined yeah. or yeah. something, yeah. Like yeah.
1: how could this happen but what could we have done to prevent it even? Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: It's interesting cuz it doesn't feel like a Hollywood movie at all, right? There's no. no there's no action sequences, there's no like pop music throughout it except what's on like the car radio. You right. know, it's it's very simplistic, but the story is so just solid with really great character work of, you know, I love their relationship, but I also love, you know, at first I didn't Again, I did not go into this movie knowing anything about it. Totally, totally yeah. to be surprised. And the crime element I found fascinating. So It felt so honest. It mm-hmm. felt so real. Yeah, um, I thought that was was great. In that, you know, I, it feels like a romantic comedy at the top of the movie with you know all this stuff, and then that started seeping in. And how that right. all sort of gets woven in together is just
0: fascinating. Yeah, and you find yourself getting conflicted watching it because yeah. you're like. Why is she being so such a hard ass? Why doesn't yeah. she cut him some cut him some slack? But then you're like, but oh, wait a minute, why should she have to be right. in love with a drug dealer? Right. She it's or? really tough. Yeah.
1: Because I did the same thing. I was like, no, he was just trying to help his friend. You have to understand. Yeah. But I was like, no, wait, she's going to. Well, uh, spoiler. So if you don't want to spoil it, <laughs> fast forward. But she's like, she's going to have a baby. She cannot be involved with a guy who's doing drugs. Right. Like, right. So like I had the same thing where I was like, oh, who, who am I rooting for? And it's tough. Yeah. It's
0: tough, right? Yeah. But it's
1: real. Oh. It's very realistic.
0: Yeah. My mom flew over for the premiere of that movie. And she. Said they were all just lovely. All of the actors yeah. were exactly how they appear in the film in real life. That Louise was just a love, just so selfless and so. Who played Sarah was was amazing, and um, and the, the guy who played Shanks was yeah. my mom's favorite. She just absolutely loved him. Like, don't you just instantly love that guy? Yeah. You don't know why. Yeah, Peter. He was a theater actor, and and came up in the theater, and and uh, really made a name for himself as uh, Macduff in Macbeth. Uh, at the Tron, which is yeah. their local big regional theater, their their big theater, um, he received a BAFTA for that. So their their uh, Oscars is the right. BAFTAs, and they they do theater and film together for their Oscars. And so he won a BAFTA doing MacDuff in Macbeth, and um, that got his name out there. And and then um, my name is Joe really put him over the top because he won Best Actor at Cannes he beat out Johnny Depp and Robert Duvall uh, uh for best actor at Cannes Film Festival that year and my name is Joe and um he really the offers started coming in then and that's when he started coming over to America which we yeah. were all just thrilled about so it's a big family affair and and that's yeah. what that's why I picked this movie that's so awesome. I'm sorry to, sorry to have to no, uh, make no. you watch a a difficult to hear movie. No, yeah. it's cool.
1: I love when people pick movies they have a personal connection with because then we get to hear that behind the scenes stuff that you don't yeah. normally get to learn about. So oh, I think it's yeah. great. Yeah, and it was, it's really fun to hear.
2: Well, I mean, yeah. Ed, you're a little bit biased, but we <laughs> enjoyed the film too. So. Yeah, it was okay, good. Good, good. It uh, was
1: really well done. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling Love and Crime. In honor of My Name is Joe, we're going to see how well both of you know movies where romance and crime overlap. Ah! So, Ed and Susan, you're be playing as a team. Here are the rules. I've given both of you a list of films where some characters fall in love, but also are connected with some kind of law-breaking. You will take turns describing the film's characters, plot, and quotes to each other as quickly as you can, whatever you want, but you cannot use the name of the film. You will have one minute to get your partner to guess as many as possible. And if you get five correct, then Ed will win our prize. And Susan, what's our prize?
1: Uh, some live in the credits merchandise, like a shirt or a mug or a tote bag, something like that.
2: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So, Ed, are you ready to play? I'm ready. Susan, are you ready?
1: I'm giving clues first.
2: You are giving okay. clues first. That's great. <laughs> cool. ready. All right, I will start the timer after you give your first clue.
1: Okay. So this is a musical. It involves two rival street gangs, the Sharks and the Jets.
0: West Side Story. Yes. Correct. One point. Okay. This is a gangster movie starring Al Pacino. He's come over from Cuba and he's a drug dealer. Oh, has to do with the title, it has to do with, uh, to do with a, a facial disfiguration yeah, of some kind. It's, yeah. Two yeah points. Points. Oh, my God. Um, all right.
1: This is a movie about um, an art thief. I'm pretty sure he's played by Pierce Brosnan.
0: Ah, pass.:
1: This is a John, uh, John Cusack movie. He has to go back to his 10-year reunion in New Jersey. He meets Minnie Driver.:
0: Oh, what was this movie? Oh
1: He is an assassin.:
0: I did not see this movie. OK, but I know what movie you're talking about, okay. just based on the description, right. but I didn't see it.:
1: Say, okay. um, oh. a famous, like husband-and-wife crime couple.
0: Bonnie and Clyde? Yes.
1: Yeah, all right. All right, so that's two. So we have three, right? Yeah, three. Okay, need two more.
0: Probably uh, the most famous Scorsese movie starring uh, Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro. Oh, um, Godfather. No. Right? Um, no, what? No, no, it's more recent than that. Um,
1: <laughs> it's so bad. They're not bad men.
0: Goodfellas? Yeah. Not, yes, sorry. there you go. Um, 10 seconds.
1: Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It's Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson. Um, oh, 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 it's a Yes. yes is that four nice.
0: that's five. Oh my
1: god we got nice. it guys got it <laughs> just at
0: the last second too oh
1: my god
0: <laughs> that was wild uh, i you guys that was hilarious
1: yeah <laughs> i need to like get my gangster movies straight in my head i get so panicked
0: <laughs> i'm so glad we had the same sort of outing there I yeah know. we both you guys were right thinking about right right the same level four yeah
2: now, let's go over some of the movies that you missed
1: yeah okay. yeah
0: what was the cusack one
1: uh, gross Point Blank. Oh, that was Thomas in. Crown Affair.
0: Yeah, that's oh, the that RC. was that one. That
1: one's hard. I don't think I would have remembered that title if it wasn't right in front of me.
2: Well, congrats on your win. Yeah. Uh, hey, I yeah, can't wait for some merch. Yeah, you'll get some <laughs> merch yeah. in the mail. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: well, before we let you go, Ed, is there anything that you
2: would like to plug?
0: I'm actually teaching for Elon University in North Carolina.
1: Oh, cool.
2: Awesome. They, have
0: a, they have a Hollywood campus. They have two floors of a, of a shared workspace building in Hollywood. And then they have 52 beds in an apartment building down the street. Hmm. So their film and TV students come out here for the summer cool. and get 12 credits going to yeah. summer school in Hollywood, which I think is really cool. Yeah. But they've never before taught voiceover. So I'm teaching voiceover for Elon University awesome. this summer, which hmm. I'm excited about. and um, And I'm also doing the same thing at the University of Colorado in Boulder. I've been teaching there via Zoom. For years, uh, my friend from Northern Illinois, my MFA classmate uh, Tammy Meneghini, is a professor there, and she's an amazing actor herself, and uh, and now a professor at the University of Colorado. And so she brings me in to teach her BFA and MFA actors about voiceover, because it is very much my mission. To bring voiceover to college theater departments. It's non-existent, pretty much, wow. except at schools like UCLA and right, and, right, U- yeah. and USC, like the more savvy kind of theater mm-hmm. departments at, at those kind of universities, but for the most part, across the country. You're not, they're not teaching voiceover. And I'm yeah. just like, again, it's my voiceover evangelicism. Yes. I'm, I'm just like, you can't, they should all be leaving college after paying $200,000 for yeah. this degree in theater. Yeah. They should at least be leaving with a voiceover demo. They mm-hmm. should at least be leaving with a class in voiceover. And you can listen to my voiceover stuff at edcunningham.net. Cool. That has been my voiceover website since the net days of the internet, <laughs> yeah. um, the Earthlink days of the yeah totally.
2: Well, thank you Ed for joining us tonight. It's such yeah, a this pleasure.
1: Was, this was awesome.
0: Yeah, you guys are lovely, man, and I'll be listening. So oh, thank, yeah, you thank you for you. thank you for introducing me to a new podcast. Yeah,
1: Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner,
2: and me, Ben Bloom.
1: It's executive produced by Michelle Levin.
2: The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at com.
1: The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin.
2: If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com.
1: If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at Lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
0: Loved going there every day and sitting yeah. in that lobby in my t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops and being <laughs> like, yeah. I'm at work.